Middle school kids, you guys are headed right across the hall to the community room. And roll film. I don't like underwater scenes in movies. <laughs> I can just feel that, that panicky fear of drowning. Have you ever felt like that in life? Just that sense of like paddling furiously and getting almost nowhere? Or maybe having a few small victories right before getting completely capsized, ending up in over your head? Did you see that look on his face when it became really clear that the waves were getting bigger and they were just going to keep coming? That's the image that I want you to keep in your mind as we continue the conversation today about God's heart for the fatherless. So, imagine with me that we are all standing on the bank of a river. We're here and it's like there. And this river has been flowing since the beginning of time, and it will continue to flow long after we are gone. And we can see that the current of this river is carrying children, fatherless children. They are simply just being carried along without a life preserver while life just happens to them. And this scene, from our vantage point, is like a single snapshot in time, where children start over here at point A, the point where they look around and realize they have no one to be their champion. And over here, 
at point B, where the river just takes them as they approach adulthood. Thousands of children fall into this river every day. They find themselves without a champion sometimes because of the death of one or more parents, because of abandonment of parents, neglect by parents, incarceration of parents, or maybe sometimes just because a loving single parent is working very long hours at minimum wage jobs just so the family can survive. Maybe they find themselves without a champion because their weary grandparents have finally hit the wall of exhaustion. From where we stand, we can see the epidemic of hurting humanity that allows children to just slip into this river and float away. But before we cave into the temptation to condemn these parents in our hearts, we have to consider that, that point B, where they approach adulthood. As we watch these children just floating by, we can strain and look into their eyes and see little girls who are confused and helpless and desperately seeking what they've never had, the approval and security of a man. And we can see little boys discarded and now also, just like the little girls trapped in grown-up bodies, condemned as failures or felons or both. These aching, unwanted children have grown up devoid of an understanding of what it means to be a wife, a mom, a husband, a father, a family. And they end up at point B. Now they're just big orphans, begetting little orphans. You see, the river itself is just this self-perpetuating movement that keeps flowing. Now across the river, over here on the opposite bank, we can see some people extending a hand to the children. What appears like help at first glance is really just the illusion of rescue. There are those who look into this river and see not only children, but also opportunity. There's never going to be any shortage of drug dealers and traffickers and pimps offering the deception of a way out and onto dry land. Possibly anyone desperate and disoriented enough in the rushing current would reach up and grab that hand, only to find a shove back into the depths. Now that kind of deception is both obvious and evil, but there are other kinds of false hope that these children and the adults that are trying to hang on to them can cling to. There are agency workers extending the hand of government aid. And while the intention of providing immediate relief is a good thing, we all know that they keep their recipients trapped in a cycle of dependency for the long haul. Those who are earnestly trying to help from a government role have very limited resources and their hands are tied with bureaucracy. They're really not able to build relationships 
or get to some of the root causes of the problems, and I'm sure they know exactly what it feels like to be in over their heads. And while this might be a little bit of a stretch, what about really well-intentioned people like you and me who try to meet some basic needs from a distance? I know that I've stepped into the lives of some vulnerable people sometimes, and what I've discovered is that their stories are really complicated and their situations are very chaotic and the complexity runs really, really deep. And it seems like wisdom to maintain boundaries in situations like that. Maybe. But this scene that's been playing out forever, that breaks the heart of God, would all seem very hopeless if it weren't for one other thing. You see, situated like right in the middle of this river is a gated community. And the residents inside this gated community are supposed to be fearless people. They're very well equipped, and they tap into a very great power. They come together in meeting houses to study and train and celebrate their blessings. This gated community is the church. And its strong walls keep it very safe while the river just rushes around it. So if we're the gated community, and as the Apostle Paul writes in his letter to Timothy, that God did not give us a spirit of timidity, but a spirit of power and love, what are we to do? We're to let our walls be breached. And rather than watch the river of helpless children flow around us, we're called to let it flow over us. We're called to drown. Are you afraid of getting in over your head? I'm afraid of getting in over my head. Are you afraid to be like Tom Hanks in the video? Just kind of desperate and disoriented? Nobody likes to feel like they're in over their heads. But do you remember what Bob said last week? That caring for the orphans, the fatherless, the hurting and vulnerable children in our community, it's not a cause, it's not a church program, but it's a way of life. It's a culture of Christ-like love for every person who calls themselves a follower of Christ. And he said that when we engage in the space that holds the Father's heart, we connect with him. And we see him more clearly than in any other space. It's not their great need, but it's ours that we see more clearly. We need the God who adopted us and made us co-heirs with Christ if we're going to let our walls be breached. I know that sometimes around here we mention the Global Orphan Project, and we have this ongoing conversation with Tate Williams at the Global Orphan Project, and um, he has a little bit of influence with us, mostly because... His life just reflects the truths of Scripture around the call to care for the fatherless and the vulnerable. And we have asked him to share his experience of what it's like to drown in the river.
feels comfortable for us, but we wonder where it Ready for our church in a river? So realizing that we're sitting right in the middle of a river that's been flowing since the beginning of time, and we can't stop it, it can feel a little overwhelming almost to the point of paralyzing. So I think it might be helpful to kind of talk about some of the very specific and concrete ways that we can let our walls be breached. In other words, what are some of the entry points for the river to flow over the body of Christ? Well, in our culture and our time, there are basically about four ways um, that we can engage in the orphan crisis. Um, The first is through orphan um, prevention and family stabilization. This involves all of the many ways that we can become relationally involved with a vulnerable family whose stability is threatened and offer acceptance, compassion, care, relief at the point of their need in a way that can maybe keep that family intact or at the very least, just bring the love of Christ into the midst of whatever circumstances they're enduring. There's also short-term in-home care or placement. Now, that's what happens when a family takes in a child into their home for a season with the goal of reunification with a family. This often takes the form of foster care, but it can also be the kind of informal hospitality that I know several families in this church have extended to kids who need a place to stay for a while. There's adoption. Obviously, this is the level of care that invites a child to be a part of your forever family. Prospective parents parents adopt a child and bring them legally and permanently into their lives. And finally, there's transitional care and support. Often children who grow up in the foster care system or some other structure outside of their homes and their biological families enter adulthood, but they're really not equipped be out on their own. So transitional care involves coming alongside older youths to help them prepare to enter adulthood and get beyond that point B to point C. So as I survey the landscape of the Wellspring community, it's really an honor to be a part of a church family that's been engaged in all of these forms of care. As we ask God to lead us as a church community, and show us who he wants to bring into our breached walls. It seems that in this season of our lives together, we're called to engage in the prevention and stabilization realm of care. So we have this privilege of being welcome to be engaged relationally through Edison Elementary, through boys basketball, food for kids, and the guest house. This coming fall, Wellspring has the very unique opportunity to step into the union of church and state as we partner with the Missouri Children's Division and pilot the Strengthening Families program right here in our church. Sam and Connor and some of the caseworkers in Children's Division have become trained to be Strengthening Families facilitators, and that's a story for another day, Um, but we'll tell you more about that as the summer unfolds. So if all of this talk of letting our walls come down And stepping into chaos and getting in over our heads to the point of feeling like drowning still feels just a little unsettling. We should recall the moment 
of greatest crisis and chaos in history. At the cross, Jesus laid down his life so that we could be reconciled with God and adopted into the kingdom, and that looked completely out of control. What looked like weakness was really the strength of Christ. What looked like rejection became our acceptance. What looked like the moment of ultimate failure and hopelessness was God's moment of ultimate control. So as we come to the communion table today, we remember that we became sons and daughters with Christ through his broken body and his shed blood on the cross. The ushers are going to come forward and dismiss you by rows. You can come up and take some of the bread and dip it into the cup. We also have a gluten-free option as well. We'll have a few moments of silence, and we'll leave these verses up here to reflect on as we prepare our hearts for communion.